Get up in the morning slaving for bread, sir So that every mouth can be fed In the morning, sleeping for bread, sir, so that every mouth can be fed. Rough Trade Radio. This is a special show for our label of the month. Um, classic label. Very pleased to have a gentleman by the name of Lawrence Kane Honeyset in the studio from Trojan Records. How are you doing, Lawrence? I'm fine, thanks, Rob. Very nice to be here. Thank, Thank you. you very much for passing through. Um, so we're just going to run through a few tracks from the label. Before we get into that, what are your kind of? How did you get involved with Trojan? Maybe let's start with that. Oh blimey, that's going back a bit. Um, well. I first actually started, I started writing about Jamaican music for Record Collector magazine. I was a mad uh, reggae fan at that stage. If you grew up in the 60s and 70s, then reggae was basically everywhere for a period of time between sort of 69 and 71. It was in the charts every other day. And uh, Trojan was the main provider of the records that were in the charts. So um, obviously, like all people of my age who like reggae, Trojan was the label. Absolutely. So um, so I, I loved it from a very early age, but then I sort of went off, you know, investigated, started writing about stuff, being in my own bands and stuff. And then, um, yeah, I started writing for Record Collector because I was such an avid collector myself. And uh, through that, I sort of met Colin Newman, who at the time owned Trojan Records. This was about 1989, 1988 or something like that. And um, uh, Steve Barrow, who went on to form uh, Blood and Fire Records, was at Trojan around that time. But when he left, Colin asked me if I wanted to start work for him. So that was 1990, I did my first compilation for him. 
And soon after, I started working for him full time in a year or so. So I was um, I was in tape archive, digging out tapes and um, just going out my mind with excitement because uh, what's the archive? Oh. I can't even imagine. It, it, well, in those days, it was, it was in Walthamstow, in a lock-up in Wal- Well, it wasn't a lock-up, it was a warehouse. But uh, right. it, was, um, it was, you know, from the floor to the roof with tape boxes. And it was basically, it had never been logged before. So we didn't know what was there. So my job, apart from compiling and doing pretty much everything else, was digging out the tapes and logging them onto a very basic computer system. Because you can imagine 1991, it wasn't the most sophisticated technology in the world. <laughs> so, um, and it was amazing. We had the tape decks there, obviously. We had to be careful not to sort of burn off all the oxide on the tape heads. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, I just think started copying stuff onto DATs as they were at the time, digital tapes, and listening to stuff and, and making a note of it. I mean, as you can imagine, as a collector, I was, I was on cloud nine, you know, it was incredible. Yeah. So, and we found incredible amounts of stuff. And it, to be honest with you, the job still, there were so many tapes. That's what, 25 years on or so, 26 years on, the job still isn't finished. Still going through it all. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Mm. So, we started off real classic from the label, Desmond Decker, Israelites. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously I've heard it to death over the years, but every time I hear it, I still, still, I still can't help but move my feet and get excited by it. It doesn't get old, does it? That energy no, just doesn't dissipate no. at all. Yeah, it's a brilliant track. And I think it was recorded at a period, it's not strictly reggae, actually. People always think it's a reggae classic, but it's actually recorded at a period when Rocksteady, which mm. was the form of Jamaican form of music that preceded reggae, uh, was changing into reggae. So it's one of those hybrid things, but everybody considers it a reggae classic. But uh, for me, that was... That was just everywhere when I was young. And that, that if anything, epitomizes my childhood. It's that record. Fantastic. Yeah. So next up we have Tighten Up by The Inspirations. Yeah, I, I thought that I'd choose something a little less obvious, but Tighten Up was um, the reason I chose this one, apart from being I love the track. It was very popular amongst the skinheads at right. the time in the UK. And the skinheads, obviously, the, the name has connotations now which aren't very pleasant. But back in the day, if you were a working class kid, you know, chances were you'd be a skinhead. It wasn't a racial thing. In fact, quite the opposite because, you know, you idolised the sort of Jamaican heroes. That reggae was the music of, of the skinheads back in 1969, 68, 69, 70, um, 71. And that was about the end of the skinhead era, 71. So... It was really, as I say, the music of the white working class kids. Yeah. And uh, they sort of just bought, bought reggae by, by the bucket load. And, Embraced uh, it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a soundtrack to the working class sort of youth skinhead movement of that period. So Tighten Up, the reason I chose that in particular was Trojan released a series of albums called Tighten Up. And obviously they took the title of the series from this track. And the inspiration, this was like a one-off track by the Inspirations, which was two blokes, Jimmy London and Billy Dice, who obviously I shouldn't imagine many people have heard of. And they didn't have many uh, hits together after that. They both pursued solo careers, but obviously never made it out of Jamaica uh, in a big way. But um, this typifies, again, that early, very early reggae style. Mm. And as I say, it was it was particularly noted, it was produced by Lee Perry, who you know, people, Lee Scratchberry, who people mm. now are familiar with, you know, he's still touring and I think he's in his 80th year now and he's over in the, in, the, in the country. But then he was still young. One of his earliest productions, this is one of his first independent productions from 1968. And um, yeah, well, if you hear this, you'll know why people were so excited by Jamaican music uh, in 1968. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> 
fantastic. The inspirations tighten up. Um, tighten up volume one, actually. I just remembered it was the first record I stole off my dad. Oh, well done. You've got so, good um, taste. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, dad. I should probably say that. <laughs> um, what have we got next? Do you want to tell us about the next track? Uh, yeah, this is Alibaba, isn't it? Alibaba. Mm-hmm. Again, this, this, this wasn't a hit in the UK. Uh, it wasn't a huge hit in Jamaica, but it's one of those tracks that has sort of built up sort of some sort of cult status amongst certain areas of fandom out there and again it's not that different in terms of the rhythm you you know if you listen to that titan up there you can see it's dance music it's not you know there's no mention of rastafarianism or you know there's no elements of dub in there mm. it's simple straightforward dance music and this is another one that sort of follows the same sort of um, formula but uh i mean i can understand i love the beat and obviously that's why it's popular but uh the lyrics need listening to as well because i think he might have been smoking something when he, <laughs> when he wrote these but it's an interesting really? song <laughs> yeah uh, this one was a producer i mentioned lee scratch perry you know he was known back in those days more as, uh, as um, a producer than an artist and the man who produced this was duke reed and duke reed is a particular note because trojan the record label um actually got its name from duke reed's nickname mm. and he got his nickname from the trojan trucks the british made trucks that used to or vans at first that he used to transport his sound system around jamaica in the uh, 50s mm. and then he started a trojan label then in 1967 ireland records started a trojan label uh, specifically to cater for his productions but that didn't last very long and then the following year 1968 ireland and bnc which was another reggae label at the time uh, got together to form trojan records the label and um, one of the reasons they chose the name Trojan was because the island version of Trojan Records actually didn't do very well and they had stockpiles of labels knocking around. So if you ever get a really early Trojan record from 1968, it will have scratched out on it a Duke Creed production, which has oh, been scrubbed right. out because they had to do that on all the records. Anyway, this record was produced by Duke Reed and um, he was one of the main producers in Jamaica along with Cox and Dodd who had Studio One, and at the time Trojan also had Studio One. So you had the Coxon sound and you had the Trojan sound. You had everything at that time, my goodness. But, uh, yeah, they had, I mean, basically Trojan Records, once, as I say, once Ireland and B&C had got together, had virtual monopoly on the reggae scene. The only rivals, serious rivals they had were Dr. Bird, but they went out of business in 69, and Palmer Records, which later sort of turned into Jetstar which um, became a distributor, but that's another story altogether. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a very early, uh, an early recording, uh, reggae recording um, by John Holt, who later had a hit with Help Me Make It Through the Night, a big UK hit, but this is prior to that. And as I say, it, it typifies that early earthy reggae style that was so popular in the late 60s and early 70s. Okay. about Alibaba with the 40 thieves Tom, Tom the piper son he was there with me I rode through a valley with a princess by my side the Duke and the Duchess was there to meet me with a smile Alice was there in wonderland staring far away the tree blind was there with me to tell the teddy bear the tale. The teddy bear came smiling there with a big smile. The little book keeper's lost her sheep last night. 
last night about Alibaba with the forty thieves. Tom, Tom, the battle son, he was there with me. I rode through the valley with the princess by my side. The Duke and the Duchess did the reggae, reggae, reggae last night. Was about Alibaba with the forty thieves. Tom, Tom, the piper's son, he was there with me. I rode through the valley with the princess by my side. I did the reggae reggae last night with the princess, my friend. The Duke and the Duchess was there with me to meet me with a smile. Alice was there in a wonderland, staring far away. I did the reggae, 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 reggae last night. Ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. Do the reggae, 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 reggae last night. Wonderful sound of John Hole, Alibaba. What's next, Lawrence? Well, uh, this is one that hopefully will be a bit, a bit more familiar to music buyers as a whole. This is Bob and Marcia, Young, Gifted and Black. And I think, if anything, sort of typifies the Trojan sound from about 1970 to 73, 74 onwards, it's this track. And apart from being just a great track anyway, uh, it features two of my favourite uh, uh, performers, which is Bob Andy and Marcia Griffiths, and who, who had very successful solo careers. Uh, Marcia Griffiths became a member of the I3s, Bob Marley's, you know, the three singing, mm. three backing singers. And Bob Andy, just one of the most amazing songwriters uh, that Jamaica's ever produced mm. and really underrated. And, and how he never achieved sort of mainstream success, I don't know, because um, he should have been signed up by Ireland or Virgin or, you know, even in later years, Trojan, because he's yeah. just phenomenal talent. And um, in the 60s, when he was writing songs and they were coming out on Studio One, it's not a Trojan album, but if you ever get an LP by a single artist, Jamaican artist, I'd recommend Bob Andy's songbook because it's um, a superb collection. But after that, he recorded for Trojan and, you know, subsequent works for Trojan uh, were brilliant. There's an album that recorded that Trojan control rights to, which is uh, Lots of Love and I, which um, a woman called um, Sonia Pottinger produced in about 1976, 77. And that is a phenomenal album as well. So... And we're hoping to reissue that at some stage in the not-too-distant future, because that's, that's a classic. So, as I say, the two brilliant performers, a great song, Nina Simone's song, of course. Mm. Um, in the 1970, I think it reached number five, I think. That's just off the top of my head, might mm. be wrong. But uh, it was also notable because it's one of the first, well, probably the first big reggae hit that features uh, a string overdub right, so okay. um, and that was done the producer came over with the original master tape and um, they went off to chalk farm studios and um, added all the bits and bobs there and but there were a few titles that they sort of they went back and revisited and basically added strings on that's right like afterwards yeah. like a bunch of the back cut stuff that went actually we're going to add this right yes yeah i mean that became like regular practice once they right. sort of had success with things like that it was it was quite you know nicky thomas had a big hit with love of the common people 
Um, it was the same formula, you know, mm. and there was there was quite a few uh, around that time. As I say, from about 1970 to 74, 75, it became almost like commonplace. John Holt, who, you know, you yeah. just heard, he had uh, helped me make it through the night. You know, that had strings on it. And it became almost part of the sort of form of reggae that became known as pop reggae. And um, it's been sort of derided in recent years. But I think, you know, as time goes on and people revisit all this old stuff, they realise it actually has, a, you know, a lot of credibility. Mm. And basically what they were trying to do was what Motown was doing, what, you know, what soul groups were doing. And that's, you know, they weren't necessarily selling out. They were just trying to make it, its appeal more widespread. Accessible. Yeah. So, uh, and it worked to a certain yeah, degree. But, um, but then, of course, Bob Marley came along and the rules changed. <laughs> and it all went back to basics. But... Uh, but actually, not even, having said that, of course, there were electric guitars and stuff on Marley's recordings, but it was just more of, instead of aiming for pop, Island Records were aiming for, for the rock market. But mm. um, but yeah, as I say, it, it, strings, I've, I've got both versions of this song, Young, Gift and Black, with strings and without, and I have to say the one with strings is, in my opinion anyway, um, infinitely better. It really is enhanced by strings, so... Hopefully, people start appreciating those songs that have got these overdubs on because they are. There are some fantastic songs out there. I mean, I've wanted to do a, a compilation of all these, you know, all the best-known reggae songs with strings, and maybe I'll get the chance one day. Cause, yeah, um, it's a great idea. Anyway, this, as I say, typifies the Trojan sound of the early seventies.
Boba Marcia, young, gifted and black. Um, just anecdotal, actually, just goes back to what you were saying about um, skinheads earlier. I didn't know this until yesterday, but the logo of Sharp, which was skinheads against racial prejudice, mm. was actually based on the Trojan logo. Yes, as well. that's it's right. Sort of in reverse or something. That's right, it? yeah. Good lads. Yes. Well, that's it. You know, I mean, there is, there is, as I say, they're much maligned, the whole thing, because what happened in the 80s, essentially, you know, the late 70s and 80s, where the whole thing became associated with neo-fascism or fascism. Mm. And it was heartbreaking, you know, to the original skinheads, and there are still a lot around. Yeah, for sure. And, and even people who weren't, you know, the ones who sort of embraced the lifestyle, the original skinhead lifestyle, you know, which was about basically, you know, extension of mods. I mean, that, that's where it came from. It's a natural extension, where, whereas the soft mods, as it were, became hippies, and the hard mods became skinheads, essentially, yeah. or, or just grew out of it, obviously. But um, people of my generation, I mean, when I was at school, I was a sort of pseudo-skinhead, wearing, the, you know, the... Ben Sherman shirts and the, the Levi's Stay Press yeah. and the DMs. Um, but I was a kid, you know. I mean, all the kids did it at my, my you know, at junior school. And um, it's a real shame the way that it has been sort of now taken, especially like in other parts of Europe. I think in England, funnily enough, if anywhere, or Britain, I'm sorry, I should say, now it's sort of gone back to it was. And most skinheads that you'll see will be, you know, people who love reggae or love the love the original skinhead scene and aren't, you know, the bits of work that came subsequently. So, um, mm. so don't necessarily cross the other side to the other side of the street. <laughs> it might be nice people. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think one or two of them actually still work for us, so <laughs> we should probably. Uh, well, they are nice people. Shout out yeah. to Sean Forbes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next up, we have Scotty. Do you want to talk about this? Yeah, just a little bit. This featured in the um, the Perry Hensel film, uh, The Harder They Come, which was Jimmy Cliff film in 1972. But it actually, the record had been out for a while and had come out on Trojan uh, over in the UK the previous year. And it was produced by someone called Derek Harriet, who was another sort of top-notch producer at the time and is still knocking about in Jamaica and uh, he's a top man. And... Um, uh, this uh, this was used in, in the soundtrack, and probably if people are familiar with it, I'll be through this track. Scott, he was David Scott, and he was a, a member of a group called The Federals, and he was a singer. And after Uroy came along and had um, loads of hits for Duke Reed uh, in 1970, all the Jamaican producers jumped on the DJ bandwagon. So Scotty the singer became Scotty the DJ. And um, this is, as I say, through the harder they come, his best known track. Uh, over a classic rock steady rhythm produced by the brilliant Mr. Derek Harrier, and it's a personal favourite, so that's why, that's why I'm insisting on it being played. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it a listen. Forward and payaka, manakle and then go saka.
Judgment has come and mercy has gone. All weak heart shall leak out and split up. Let it burn, let it burn, let it burn, burn, burn. Blood, blood, blood and fire. Rasta heal. Blessed is the pipe that is always light in the house of John Rastafari. Blessed is the weed of the ganja seed that give virgin the ganja weed. Blood and fire, let it burn, virgin. All weak heart shall leak out and split up. And all righteous shall stand. Tell us about those. Well, yeah, I mean, essentially why I picked those is there's songs that have been, or recordings that have been sort of not too long ago sampled by others. That's an area in which uh, there seems to be a lot of activity. Uh, I don't know if you go on the, anyone goes on the Who Sampled website, but you go on yeah. there and you could, you know, you, you type in these songs and it's amazing just how many times they've been sampled by all and sundry, I think, Major Lazer even, did uh, something over satisfaction. Are people a bit forthcoming with that, if they still borrow a little something? Is it, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't? Uh, exactly, or? exactly. I think um, in some some instances where it's so subtle, like they use a little tiny, tiny bit that's on repeat or just using a tiny, you know, for, for literally 1.5 of a second or something, you know, they obviously don't bother. But, um, yeah, people do try it on. I mean, that it, policing that is a major, major problem mm. because, um, unfortunately, yeah, there are people out there who think that, that if music's, you know, been released and it's... Uh, fair game. Uh, yeah, fair game, exactly. So, um, no, but the bigger artists do and, um, obviously, if it's a hit, then you can't hide uh, from it and, you know, and, and obviously you can get in trouble if you've, uh, if you've not been honest and sampled it legally. So, mm. so there's the incentive to do it. But... Um, but it is nice that, you know, it's, it's, you know, for some purists, they don't like it. They think that it's sort of somehow belittling or demeaning the music or, or sacrilegious taking yeah, or something. Exactly. Whereas um, I, I just think it's nice, it, you know, if they use it, especially in a certain way, and Major Lazer is a particular example where they can, you know, that it's clearly that they're really into their reggae and, um, you know, it shows through the mixes that they do. Mm. So, um, yeah, if you do it right, I think it can, it can sound really good. But as I say, if you put it on the Trojan site, it won't necessarily get a positive response because <laughs> it tends to be the purists on the Trojan site. But uh, but anyway, it's another area, and I think it, it's interesting the way it's going and the way it is keeping relevant. I mean, obviously, I'd like it to be relevant through people liking the original versions, but mm. you know, to each his own, and um, I certainly wouldn't knock it. And I guess there's an argument of you know a certain percentage of people would presumably go back and find out what the source yeah. was, like you say, through who sampled or something yeah. like that. Uh, well, oh, that's, that's that's from this and this. And exactly. Yeah, I think that's always been the way. I think when people like UB40, you know, did 
cover versions, you know, obviously yeah. not sampling, but I think a lot of people, when they did The Labour of Love, I think a lot of people got into the old stuff then, you know, it's, and obviously with the two-tone thing mm. as well, the specials, Madness, you know, Selector. Mm. Absolutely. It, it was the same thing. So, yeah, I, I think any any way that people can get into it, if it's if it's sampling, whatever, or covers, I think it's a positive thing as far as, um, uh, you know, vintage Jamaican music goes. And when I say vintage, I'd sort of include anything up to 19... I don't know the eighties, I suppose. Yeah. Anything prior to that, anything post that is is new to my ears. <laughs> That's how old I am. Anyway, um, so we had Carl Dawkins. Yep. And uh, ninety. Yeah, Carl Dawkins is one of the sort of lesser known sort of lights on the um, the reggae scene. He didn't really do much after about seventy three, seventy four. He was doing stuff here and there, but um, he sort of faded. But um, Nine is far better known. Nine is still over in the UK regularly. Mm. Um, and he's um, still sort of making mixes whenever he can. But uh, it is for his old stuff that he's best known. And that was his big breakthrough hit from 1971. Trojan released it on. Trojan at the time had so much music uh, at this time in the early 70s. They had to launch about 30 different uh, subsidiary labels. And that one came out on Big Shot Records in 1971. But... Um, they would have like upset of records for Lee Scratch Perry and Harry J for Harry Johnson and so on, so on. Poor old Nine, he never got his own label, but um, <laughs> a lot of his stuff came out on Big Shot. But uh, he, yeah, he's still doing stuff and he's a lovely bloke. And um, he's a very interesting man as well. He's got lots of stories. But um, that was the one that really made it for him and his Observer records. And after that, he went on really his peak period with the 70s, and right up through the early 80s, really, that's when he was sort of most relevant as far as the Jamaican music scene goes. But as I say, he's still mixing stuff and still making records. He made one with Lee Perry not that long ago. And, um, you know, he still shows glimpses of the talent that first came to light in the early 70s. Mm. So, and that, that again, that's a sort of, that's a classic early reggae sound using um, a rhythm that Bob Marley thought that had been stolen from him but uh, that's another <laughs> I won't go down that road but uh, but it's funny because a lot of these records do have you know lots of uh, you know interesting stories behind them backstory yeah, yeah. that's what we, that's what we live for absolutely yeah so but that's a great record I love it um, so we're going into something a huge one now uh, Dave and Ansel Collins oh yeah should yeah. we talk about this well it's a bit like Bob and Marcy you know this this was it was actually recorded at the end of 1970 or it came out at the end of 1970 but it was a big hit here in 1971 was was the first UK number one for Trojan and um, I just love it it's not strictly speaking DJ music as we know it Dave Barker who lives in the UK and he's, he's an absolutely amazing bloke really nice bloke and still gigs still appears at festivals and whatever a brilliant singer and it's quite ironic that his big hit was something where he's really sort of just shouting and hollering. But to great effect, <laughs> great effect, I hasten to add. But this was, um, yeah, massive, massive hit uh, around the world, really. And it's one of my favourites. But um, on this, he's backed by Ansel Collins, was the keyboard player. So poor old Dave, when this was a hit, came out as Dave and Ansel Collins. And for a while, Dave whose name is Dave Barker, or at least that's his stage name, suddenly had to adopt the name of Dave Collins. So, but there you <laughs> oh, go. Poor guy, man. Yeah, poor man. Yeah. But uh, a great record. Winston Riley produced it, and Winston Riley was another of the huge producers. And he did have his own label, the Techniques label, and he subsequently produced some of the real classics right up through to the digital age. Mm. Um, sadly passed away a few years ago, but a brilliant producer. And this is the one that really made it his big breakthrough internationally 
uh, was this particular track. And um, it still does the business now. Still if you does call this it. any dance, people will oh, lose their minds a little bit. Absolutely, the energy in the song is just brilliant, and it's just uh, well, uh, words words can't can't describe the excitement I feel every time I hear this. Like, I, I'm like that. I just want to sort of dance every time I hear it. And um, hopefully it'll have the same sort of effect upon some of the listeners. Well, I'm about to see if this is going to make you dance in the studio. So let's let's put it to the test. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's Rough Trade Radio, Trajan Record Special, Lawrence Kane Hunting set in the studio. Here's Dave and Ansel Collins. I am the Magnificent. I'm back with the shaker of soul, boss, most tolerant, stormy, sound of soul. I am W-O-O-O. And I'm still... Big sound of a double barrel. What we got next? Well, you didn't comment on the dancing. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a little bit underwhelmed. I don't feel like you quite put your all into it. No, no. That, that's, I mean, it is, to I be dance. fair, it's very hot in this room. Oh, blimey. We're already quite quite sweaty. Is that too much information? I think maybe. so. Maybe. Okay, maybe. should we move on? And I think put something on as well. All right. So, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, Johnny Clark, None Shall Escape the Judgment. It was the big, one of the big hits from 1974. I think it's released late 73 originally and um this sort of typifies the sort of change in sound really mm. uh, the way that music went first of all it was one of buddy lee's sort of his introduction of sort of the flying cymbal sound which from that period which he became popular or became renowned uh with his flying cymbal sound that's the producer bunny lee who produced this track but also 
it, this typifies how the music went during this period when it went away from simply being dance music to something that was far more conscious i suppose is a word but yeah. rootsier and um suddenly bob marley's success didn't spark this this whole movement because it'd been going on in jamaica building over years he really just became the figurehead for it but essentially it became the whole root scene dominated jamaican music throughout the rest of the 70s and this was one of the sort of early big hits that presented this sound to the jamaican music listening public and it was a big hit here but not in the charts but you know in west indian communities in the uk and as I say, if you listen to the lyrics, you can see the change, but also the feel of it has changed, if you listen carefully anyway. This really typifies the music of, of say, mid-70s onwards, up until the late 70s, and really roots music dominated Jamaican music scene up until, well, I suppose, late 79, when Dancehall took off. Yeah, listen to this and you'll hear what I mean, I hope, anyway. Mr. Johnny Clark. Judgment in 
wonderful. Oh, great record, great record. I mean, funnily enough, when Bunny Lee was uh, producing that, he was trying to get a scar feel to it, apparently. You can really hear that in the music. I mean, one of the things we haven't touched upon, because obviously Trojan didn't start till 68 with Scar, but Scar was a big part of the Trojan catalogue. Mm. While they didn't have it at the time, it's been subsequently acquired. So people often think Trojan Records is basically what it was in 1968 when it was launched, but in fact, it's actually bought other labels. It's done license deals with pretty much almost every serious or major Jamaican producer. So its catalogue has actually expanded incredibly. It's got sort of in the catalogue, there's about 20,000 recordings. So wow. yeah, getting all those out one day, hopefully. Um, <laughs> keeping with the, the legends, if you like, Mr. Isaacs next. Gregory, well, Gregory Isaacs is one of those you can't really do a Trojan playlist or a reggae playlist without including one of Gregory's hits, but it's not the obvious one. This isn't something that was a, a major hit, but I, I have to admit that I picked it because it's, um, it's just a personal favourite. I like it because it isn't just um, a straightforward Roots tune. It's, um, and this, this sound is more typical of the Roots sound than, say, None Shall Escape the Judgment. It's a slower pace, which people associate with the sound. But uh, it's got sort of elements of dub in it, and um, it's one of those tracks that I just can't get enough of hearing it. So uh, that's why it was picked. Um, but Gregory, yeah, Gregory was a legend. Him and Dennis Brown were the two major challengers to Bob Marley. And in Jamaica, probably more popular than Bob Marley, mm. uh, which is often overlooked. They often mm. think Bob Marley was a be all and end all of reggae, but Gregory was certainly up there, and as was Dennis. Mm. So this, this was something recorded, I think, 1977. And it's from, I'm trying to think what album it's from. He recorded so many. He was probably the most prolific Jamaican artist uh, of the 70s and 80s. Uh, it might be extra classic. I can't remember. It's a terrible thing, isn't it? Too many, too many <laughs> titles to remember. <laughs> many, but it's a great track. So um, uh, uh, what more can I say? The music says more about um, Gregory than I ever could. Let the music speak for itself. It's Rough Trade Radio, Trojan Records in the place. Here's the sound of Mr. Gregory Isaacs. <laughs> Just 
Gregory Isaacs there. Uh, what we got next, Lawrence? Uh, well, I have to say this is another favourite. It's Disco Devil by Lee Scratch Perry and the Full Experience. People might be more familiar with this through the uh, Max Romeo track, One Step Forward, uh, which of course was sampled by the Prodigy. And I'm going to hand you over to Rob, who's going to say the title of the track. <laughs> <laughs> Out of Space. Out, Out of, of space. space was the track. That's yeah. right. I'm glad you got it right there. <laughs> anyway. Was that a test? That was a, a test. test for me. I was going <laughs> to say... <laughs> It's good to see, see if we got that one right. But yeah, so it's it's a very familiar rhythm. Uh, but I have to say that out of those three tracks, the Disco Devil, Outspace, and uh, One Step Forward, this is my favourite. It's just a classic. Lee Scratch Perry at his wildest. This is a seven-inch version, so you only get three minutes of it, but uh, but that's plenty. That will suffice. That, that will, will you suffice. Out. It's Rough Trade Radio, Trojan Records. Lawrence Kane Honeyset is in the building with me. Turn us up big and loud. Your neighbours will love it. Bye. Bye. Jamie! 
Make me wine out my waist Uptown top ranking Ooh. 
Classic, a lot of classics today, but that's absolutely fine by me. Althea and Donna, Uptown Top Ranking. Yeah, lovely song. Uh, it was another one. It actually didn't originally come out on Trojan, but uh, we we own the rights to it now. Um, but it's again, it was another number one. Um, it's a classic track, and it's always, funnily enough, it's always been associated with Trojan, even when Trojan didn't have the rights to it. But, right. uh, but they've had rights to it for a long time now. Althea Forrest and Donna Reed. Right. Um, and they didn't, that was their one hit. After that, they signed for Virgin uh, Records, and they re-recorded the track, and unfortunately, it wasn't as good, and did an album, didn't sell, they split up. Uh, carried on singing, and they've had a reunion not too long ago, but um, they never really recaptured the glory of that track. Funnily enough, that track alone, and I won't go into it, but there's a long story behind it. They recorded that song previously, and it's all to do with the top ranking as a record label. It's it's um, a lot of people when it was number one here didn't really know what it was about, and still don't know what it was about. <laughs> but uh, but there's a whole so they, the reason the whole it's uptown top ranking is that was that was the record label, and then they re-recorded the song with a different rhythm. And that was a rhythm that um, was a version of Orton Ellis's I'm Still In Love With You Boy, which yep. Marcia Aitken recorded I'm Still In Love With You Girl. And then Trinity had a big hit with it, with three-piece suit and thing. Yep. And then they came along and uh, they just trumped the, the lot of them uh, with it's that. It's a, a rhythm that's evolved quite a few times, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, at the first time it was recorded 1967 by Orton Ellis. So, yeah. yeah, it goes way back. And that wasn't obviously a hit that till 1978, so over a, over a decade later. But yeah, I just it's, it's one that you'd never tire of, really. Um, but I've got a very crackled seven of this at home. Yeah, uh, what's it? is it on Lightning or that was the the English label, wasn't it? Lightning that it came uh, out. It's on. Like Green Tree on the cover. That's the one. Yeah, 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 lovely, lovely. Um, so it's worth mentioning as well. Both those tracks, the last two tracks, Lee Perry and Anthony and Donna, both featured on um, a sampler CD. As Trojan Records is our label of the month, as we've been talking about. So you get this wonderful free CD. Just seeing how many tracks we've got. Twelve track CD. A great selection from the label, which is free with every Trojan record that you purchase in store or online from us at Rough Trade. Uh, roughtrade.com, there's a big banner there for Label of the Month. We've cherry-picked a number of titles from the extensive Trojan catalogue. Um, so we're coming to the end of our time, really. One more track. Oh, well, actually, let's talk about what have you got coming up? What's what's Trojan got coming up just before we sign off? Well, late, uh, well this year we we did, um, we just come to the end of doing a series, of, like a best of series, a two CD uh, set thing, which had um, 50 tracks on, I think, on each of them, 40 or 50. Um, and they were like introductory best ofs, basically, but by uh, eight of the biggest sort of acts on Trojan. That was Dennis Brown, Desmond Decker, Lee Perry, but they're nice little packages and well worth having. We also did stuff early at the beginning of the year, which was a little deeper. Uh, and for the rest of the year, we're really going to be concentrating more on vinyl. So we've um, got a couple of vinyl series going. Uh, on the LP front, we've got uh, genre-based uh, collections, uh, mm-hmm. which again are sort of introductions to, to the people who aren't necessarily heavily into reggae already. So that covers us, ska, rock, steady, dance, or dub, 
roots or the main sort of subgenres of reggae. We've also re-issuing um, a lot of old classic albums, Trojan albums from the 60s and 70s. And we're doing three of those each month until the end of the year, well, up until November. And the reaction to both of those has been really positive. So we've got high hopes for those. Also doing a nice box set, which is uh, was put together by the late Michael DeKonig. And Michael was a good friend of mine. And unfortunately, like Dave Henley, who was another significant Trojan contributor over the years, Dave was another lovely bloke. Uh, both of them really knew their stuff. And, and Michael put together this compilation shortly before um, he passed away very sadly mm. um, just a few weeks ago. Um, mm. In fact, and Dave, we lost Dave last last week, so it's a very sad time. But it's uh, Michael's collection is called um, Spirit of 69. Uh, it's a sort of belated follow-up to a, a box set that he did, a vinyl box set, back here about, oh, blimey, 10, 15 years ago called Haunted House. And it was rare skinhead seven-inch singles or boss reggae as it's now sort of generally known. And it's a lovely package. Michael did a brilliant job on it, as he always did. Mm. And uh, that's coming out in a month or so. Um, so they're the two main vinyl ranges that we'll be doing. As I say, we've got this box set, which is, I think it's eight, seven-inch singles in it. And um, we hope to be doing more, um, you know, in future, that sort of package. And these really nice, heavy, well, they're not heavyweight, but really high-quality vinyl uh, collections, LP collections, featuring classic albums and, and the genres. Uh, on top of that, we're also do we've got a DVD, CD thing, a Bob Marley release coming out, um, which is um, The Legend Live. It had previously come out as a, as a DVD, uh, but we're making available for the first time the um, recordings from the concert, which features on the DVD, as audio files, as it were, mm. or audio tracks. So now it's the first time ever that people will be able to... Um, have these tracks, some real classics on there, you know, yeah. like Get Up, Stand Up, things like that. Um, they're previously unreleased on CD, so that, that's very exciting as well. And that's, yeah, wicked. Yeah, that's due for October, I think it is. Right. So um, so that's the rest of the year, and obviously we, we're just planning next year, and there's um, lots of exciting things happening because 1967 was the year that the first Trojan UK label came into being. Island Records, um, as I previously mentioned launch that um to focus on duke reed's productions so we'll probably have a bit of activity around that but we're also getting involved in lots of other things we've got a trojan live night um every month at the social in london mm-hmm. and that's run by sean flower jew who of palmer international does a brilliant brilliant night um and there's various other things we've got thames cruise coming up touchwood in september and so there's things you know happening on the live front we're getting things moving on that as well so it's pretty exciting times for trojan and i'm, I'm well i'm excited anyway yeah sounds uh, amazing yeah well touch so with, if yeah. people want to find out about yourselves and the label and what's coming up what's the website it's, it's www.trojanrecords.com um and then we've got in the facebook page you can also follow us on twitter spotify youtube so um there's lots of ways you can discover trojan and hopefully this 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 show will go some way to um, convincing a few people that it's worth uh, investigating. Absolutely, yeah. If you're not aware of Trojan Records, then you need to get to know. Basically, what are you going to play us out with, Lawrence? A final record for the day. Well, it's a bit like Gregory and uh, and a bit like uh, Lee Perry, in as much that you can't have a reggae playlist without Dennis Brown. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one that was a Jamaican hit. It wasn't wasn't here, but it was covered by the Slits later uh, it was originally recorded by the paragons which was john holt's vocal group but i'm 
wandering down a, another avenue there. But uh, this was from 1978, and uh, it was uh, just before he hit big with Money in My Pocket, which was his big UK hit. But uh, this one, for me, um, really captures what Dennis Brown's all about. It's a great track. Uh, it's called Man Next Door, Quiet Place. And um, if, you, if you want to discover Dennis Brown, going back to what we've just released, we just released the best of Dennis Brown. This features on that, and um, along with the best of his other stuff that he did in the 60s and 70s and early 80s. Yeah, this one is probably my all-time favourite Dennis Brown track, so I thought it'd be nice to end on. Fantastic. Rough Trades, label of the month is Trojan Records. Lawrence, thank you very much for coming through. It's been very insightful. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Rob. Thanks for having me. Lovely. Thanks. Thank you. Here's Mr. Dennis Brown. Till next time. Goodbye.